scripture is from Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we look at this passage and we continue to move forward in our understanding of Jesus being the promise and how the promise is proclaimed. The promise was predicted last week as Clint brought a great message to us about the gospel and how it changes everything. And this week we look at the fact that the promise is proclaimed. And when we come to this particular passage, I would dare say that it probably stands a good chance of being the number one, if you were to rank passages of scripture about Christmas and being read, it's probably very likely the number one passage about Christmas. It's the one that gets read the most. It's the one that maybe if you grew up in the church as a little child, you put a towel over your head and acted like a shepherd and had to act it out in some Christmas pageant at some point. That this particular passage is the one that just sort of sinks into us. When we think of Christmas, we think of this scene. This fact that Jesus is born and then out in a field somewhere, there's a group of shepherds who are watching their sheep. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, while they're watching their sheep, they're maybe hearing them sort of ba back and forth together. Maybe they sing shepherding type songs to each other to make the night go past. But all of a sudden, boom, something happens. An angel appears before them. 
And I think because it's that sort of number one passage that we hear, it's the one that we always go to when we think about Christmas and what this time of year is about, when we hear that they're out there in the field, in the dark, the stars shining down, perhaps the moon giving a little bit of a dim light across the pasture that their sheep are in, and boom, an angel appears before them. And I think we sort of neuter it. We make it like, yeah, of course, an angel appeared before them. But what we see that this scripture tell us is that they were very afraid or sore afraid. They, they, they were taken back. They were shaking in their, well, whatever they wore. Can you imagine? Think of the thing that has made you most afraid in your life. Think of the thing that has given you the most pause to stop and step back. When fear hits, in, instinctively, it causes us to have a reaction. And that's what takes place here. An angel of the Lord appears. Boom! There he is. And he, or she, or whatever angels are, says, do not be afraid. It's interesting, I was thinking about fear and what it does to us, what can happen. And Jan Martel, who wrote the book called The Life of Pi, has this great section about fear in it. And I want to read it to you. It says, I must say a word about fear. It is life's only true opponent. Our fear can defeat life. It is a clever, treacherous adversary. How well I know. It has no decency, respects no law or convention, shows no mercy. It goes for your weakest spot, which it finds with unerring ease. It begins in your mind always. One moment you're feeling calm, self-possessed, happy, then fear, disguised in the garb of mild-mannered doubt, slips into your mind like a spy. And doubt meets disbelief, and disbelief tries to push it out, but disbelief is so poorly armed a foot soldier, and doubt does it away with little trouble. And then you become anxious, and reason comes to do battle, for you and you're reassured and reason is fully equipped with the latest weapons of technology but to your amazement despite superior tactics and a number of undeniable victories reason is laid low and you feel yourself weakening wavering and your anxiety becomes dread fear next turns fully to your body which is already aware that something terribly is wrong is going on Already your lungs have flown away like a bird and your guts have slithered away like a snake and now your tongue drops dead like an opossum while your jaw begins to gallop to that spot. Your ears go deaf and your muscles begin to shiver as if they have malaria and your knees shake as if they were dancing. Your heart strains too hard and so the rest of your body, every part of you, and every man are most suited to it, falls apart. But only your eyes work well. They always pay proper attention to fear. 
quickly. You make rash decisions. You dismiss your last allies, hope and trust. There you've defeated yourself. Fear, which is but an impression, has triumphed over you. The matter is difficult to put into words for fear, real fear, such that shakes you to your foundation, such as you feel when you are brought face to face with your mortal end, nestles in your memory like gangrene. It seeks to rot everything, even the words with which to speak of it. So, you must fight hard to express it. You must fight hard to shine the light of words upon it. Because if you don't, if your fear becomes a, worldly, a worldly, wordless darkness that you avoid, perhaps even manage to forget, you open yourself to further attacks of fear because you've never fully fought the opponent who defeated you. As Clint said last week, Merry Christmas. Peter Gabriel, who's a, a great musician and a theologian, really, wrote a song called Mother of Violence, and the chorus says this, Fear, fear, she's the mother of violence, making me tense to watch the way she breeds. Fear, she's the mother of violence. You know self-defense is all you need. It's getting hard to breathe. It's getting so hard to believe, to believe in anything at all. In the midst of a field, watching their sheep, doing their job, fear creeps in. And doesn't really even creep. It comes like a whirlwind. And they are taken aback. They can't believe what is going on. They have no place in their mind or in their body to file it. This experience, this knowledge that is coming upon them. And yet the angel says to them, Fear not. Our response when we see fear usually happens three ways. We either fight or we flight or we freeze. But ultimately, in any one of those things, whether it's we decide to fight against our fear or what is causing our fear, or we run away from it, or we just stop dead in our tracks, ultimately what fear brings is division. Fear keeps us and moves us away, either because we're fighting against something and opposing it and everything becomes the other, or because we've run away from it and we don't want to deal with it. Or we're so frozen that we can't move emotionally into what that fear has caused us to do. And so ultimately, fear will bring division and separateness to us. You see, fear can be from something unexpected that takes place to us. That's what happens here to these shepherds, right? They weren't planning on having a supernatural encounter that evening. I'm sure they didn't leave their wives as they were going out to watch the sheep and say, Honey, I think something special is going to happen tonight. I'm sure it was just going to be another ho-hum, boring day. But something unexpected happened, and we have that happen in our lives all the time. There are phone calls that we receive from the doctors that give us news that shake us at our foundations. There are relationships that we think are going to be so solid, and then something happens, and we're not quite sure what it is, that all of a sudden that relationship is not as solid as it used to be. We unexpectedly believe that something is going to happen and then it doesn't. And that's where the second cause of fear will be. Sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes fear comes because something is unrealized. That we have a hope 
of something, that we have a belief that something is going to take place and that is unrealized. And we think, well, if that can't happen, then no good could happen. And then the world is a terrifying place for us to be in. Or maybe our fear comes because we're uninformed. Or better yet, misinformed. That we somehow have put our trust in all sorts of things that say, I have the answer, or I have the way, or I have uh, uh, the solution for you. And because we're uninformed or misinformed about what is really going on, we put our hope in something that deteriorates and falls. This scheme, this party, this plan. But because the world can be a terrifying place, it breaks in and it changes and it breaks and we're left with disappointment and disappointment brings us to a place of fear. And so as you stand in your pasture waiting, looking over your sheep, an angel appears and says, fear not. Fear not. Well, what is the rest of that promise? Fear not. Great, fear not. But he says this. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the multitudes appear and they say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You see, here the proclaimed promise breaks into our world with a shout against our fear. It's not just saying don't fear, it's saying don't fear because the promise is being proclaimed. It's a proclamation of a brand new day that something is about to change. It's a promise that says I'm the best way, the whole way, the truth way. God's saying I am coming to be the Savior. And more than anything, it is a proclamation of peace. Because God knows that our fears tear us apart. But He is peace. And it's not just some regular peace, an absence of conflict. No, it's much more encompassing of that. It goes back and it grabs that great Hebrew word shalom and brings it to the forward for us. And says that it is wholeness, it is completeness, that it is security that it is sustainable, and not only that, that it is transformative, that when I rest in this shalom peace, it causes me to want to give it out. It is in fact, as Paul tells us in Ephesians, peace that is preached by Christ to those who are far off and to those who are near. It is that type of proclamation. It's peace for all whom God is pleased to give it to. It's peace and good news for all that He calls to. But this promise of peace, this promise that does away with our fears, it requires action. That's what we see happen to the shepherds here. You see, when they hear this and they see this multitude of angels... What is it that they say to one another? They say, let us go over to Bethlehem and see these things that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So when we hear the proclamation of peace, the natural flow, the natural outcome is one of participation. And their participation is not to go and find out out of doubt. 
They're not going saying, this can't possibly be true, let's go prove it wrong. What they're saying is, let's go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that is true that the Lord has proclaimed to us. When we hear peace proclaimed, when we hear this promise given to us, it requires us to step into a place of acceptance and discovery. We go, not because we doubt, but because it confirms and because we have a desire to experience it. You see, we can recognize in our own hearts that when we move and hear peace being proclaimed as the promise of God, our heart sings out because we long to participate in it. We know it's the right order, the whole order, the truth order. We know it's the way that God desires all creation to be. And so when we hear it, we can't help but move like the shepherds move to say, is this not, is this real, but this is real. We've got to get on and get in on it. And so they go, and they see, and it's confirmed, and then they go and share it with all those who are around them. They go and express it to everyone that they come in contact with. Th this week, the Avengers trailer came out. Uh, in case you don't know, that's a movie, a Marvel movie. And the new trailer for the last end chapter of this particular part of the Avengers because they're not in it to tell good stories they're in it for the money came out and it reminded me of the main villain which is Thanos and in the last movie I'm just going to tell you this is a spoiler alert Thanos snaps his finger at the end and half of the world disappears now the reason why he was doing that is he was going for balance because he believed that would bring peace. Listen, when the promise is proclaimed here, it turns our idea of balance upside down. It says it's not 50% and 50%. It says it is 100% of the way that I have made it to be. And the way I created it to be from the very beginning of time is a place of peace. A place where we are for one another and not against one another. A place where we long to bring peace to everyone that we encounter. And so practically, how does this peace, this completeness work itself out? Well, it has to work itself out from us intimately engaging with one another. Because remember, fear separates us, but peace brings us together. And so we must learn to know one another and hear each other's stories, to recognize how the God creator is working in each one of our lives, moving us towards one another because it brings glory to him and it causes us to live the lives better than we've ever dreamed. He moves in us in a way as he proclaims his peace over us so that we can know one another and care for one another. Graham Hill is an author and a pastor over in Sydney. And he just said this, Empathy requires courage and character, a willingness to overcome our own fears, enmities, 
revulsions, and prejudices. In this increasingly polarized and conflicted world, we need more people who choose the more difficult path of empathy. How does this proclamation of peace come to us, this promise of peace come to us? It is shown practically in our lives while we move in empathy towards one another. Where I say, I don't need to get you right, or I don't need to get you on my side. I need to know who you are and how God made you and created you and find out how our lives together can move towards the peace that God has created before the foundation of the world. And so that means there are times where we'll be uncomfortable (laughs) because we're going to encounter people that are different than us. And that's okay. And it means we're going to be uncomfortable because we're going to encounter people who are exactly like us. And that actually might be worse. But it's okay because we know that the angel stands up and says, fear not to us. The proclamation of the promise of peace comes in and it changes everything. It gives us not just a new lens to see things and not just a new heart to feel things, but in fact, as John tells us in chapter 1 of his Gospel, that He is the Word. And Jan Mattel says, we have a Word that we need to speak about fear. And Jesus is that Word. Jesus is the Word that we speak to our fear because He is the promised peace. us let me pray father you are good to us all the time before the world began you were and then you became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could see your glory father you are the proclaimed promise of peace to us thank you lord for that thank you for giving us your good things thank you for demolishing our fear and bringing us to yourself. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.